definitely got that. <laughs> Welcome to X-Rated Movies. I'm one half of your hosting team, Matthew Fisher. I'm one half of your hosting team, Ryan Whedon. We are two guys that used to date. Now we do not. Nope. We talk about movies. Among other things. Yeah. Including. But not limited to. The topic I want to bring up right now. Which is. I don't know how to really ease our listeners into this uh conversation topic so i'm just gonna just gonna jam it in just (laughs) you even did two fingers there (laughs) picture it you're driving along on a empty stretch of road coming home from some shenanigans in the woods i don't know you're all alone you haven't seen another car for a long time then suddenly bright light shines on you and an alien spacecraft comes down lands right in front of you and an alien comes out what do you do, Matt Fisher? Uh, well, am I driving or am I a, a mere passenger in this You car? are driving. You are all alone. Is there the opportunity to swerve? No, they are taking up the whole road. You have to just stop and... Are con- the aliens, like, coming out in front of me on the road? Yep, yep. The ramp goes down. Chick, 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 so chick, it's chick, chick. like the E.T. spaceship, like, comes down, takes up the whole road. It's cacti to either side, so swerving around's not an option. Yeah, and the bridge you just crossed collapsed behind you. Okay. So, yeah. It is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> From the entry of the, of the spaceship. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh... And what do I do? Yeah. Like, do I make contact or do I stay in my car or? Well, they're like, they're waving at you. They're like, hey. Really? Yeah. They're, they're waving. They're trying to make contact with you clearly. They've so. studied us enough that they know that, that waving is the the international gesture of like, we mean you no harm. Yeah, but they got it wrong. It's like the Rick and Morty thing. They're waving their middle <laughs> finger at you. Well, I definitely give them the finger back. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, just be like, "Well, fuck you too." <laughs> um, how humanoid are these aliens? Like, can I read and trust their facial expressions, like ET, or is it nothing? Nothing going no, on. This like is more fire like, in the sky. Yeah, this is more like Arrival, where they're like squids. Oh, yeah. Just you're just like fuck. they. Ju- they just have tentacles that have five digits on these tentacles. One of the, fi- one can... of the tentacles has what looks like our hands. So. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Well, I mean, if they're Arrival-style aliens, that really complicates things. By the way, in the in the story for Arrival, when they talk about the audio of those aliens, they said it sounds like... <laughs> <laughs> for real. Which isn't in the movie, but... Okay. I guess I would leave my car and attempt to move forward okay and see how they reacted so if they're squid thing they don't have clothes i get i guess well they're wearing clothes but to you it doesn't look like clothes oh what does it look like to me mm, like a, a layer of of like viscous slime. fluid yeah okay mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so i move forward i'm assuming that i see no visible weaponry of any sort yeah. or nothing that i can identify as a weapon right yeah 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 that's a concern of yours that you're worried they might be hostiles yeah i mean i would assume that if they landed in this way you know if they if they meant me harm they could probably blow me up from a distance sure sure sure, so to come out of their vehicle would expose themselves make themselves a little bit uh prone i guess if you will Mm -hmm. or or uh uh you know open right so uh I would then return the gesture and exit my vehicle and make myself open in the same way. Okay. And yeah, I guess I, I would approach them, and if they 
didn't outwardly attack me at that moment, I guess I would uh, say hi or something. Okay, okay. I am uh, not a linguist of, of any sort, so there might be a, a hard communication barrier. Yeah, you're no Amy Adams. I'm no Amy Adams, that's for damn sure. Maybe if they seem nice, I would give them some sort of uh, offering. Uh, Ooh, okay. You know, the pack of Mentos in my car. Nice, or, uh, okay. You know the uh, the, the spare tire, um, the orange flavored gum you have. The, yeah, exactly. Out. The uh, yeah, the, the aniseed <laughs> and uh, gin flavored gum that oh. I have. Mm. And then if they asked to like for me to take them to their leader, I'd be like, let's wait six months. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite ready. We might have a whole fresh batch for you. <laughs> All right, here's a, here's an important question for you. If they manage to squeak out, you know, one word. Or like a, a sentence, and that sentence, like they, they've studied us enough that they know like how to say where they're from, and they say, we are from Uranus. Uh-huh. Would you laugh? <sighs> I mean, inside, but I'm <laughs> far too diplomatic to let them know that. Good for you. Cool customer over here. Well, I mean, are they well-versed enough in our language to know that that's a joke, and they're trying to uh, disarm me? <laughs> I mean that's a tough read right there. You got to read the room, <laughs> or they 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 get it's lost in translation. They're like, "We are from your rectum." <laughs> and, and That'd be harder to yeah. keep my composure. And you giggle and they look at each other. <laughs> I'm sorry. We are from your asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ugh. that that'd be harder to keep my composure during, but. Uh, you know, fake it till you make it is is what I say. Mm-hmm. Would you play the uh, song that the Carpenters wrote to welcome aliens to our planet? Too long. <laughs> Who has eleven minutes? <laughs> I feel like you could put it on in the car as you got out. Ziggy Stardust all the way. <laughs> oh, okay, that's a better way to greet him. Yeah, I mean that's about like you know androgynous space invaders of some sort. I mean, it's definitely cooler, Um, to be honest. I mean, you know, no shade towards the Carpenters, but I don't know. I think Ziggy's got a broader appeal. Yeah. If these these aliens were cool, (laughs) they'd like it more. I always felt like that Carpenters song was a little AM gold. I mean, because it's a Carpenters song. It's not real. It's still a Carpenters song. Yeah, it's, it's sort of niche you gotta really read the room on your aliens (laughs) maybe if they're like uh um i don't know like like a bearded chris christopherson type coming in land in they gotta you think chris christopherson's a big carpenter's man no i'm saying he's an alien oh like his species came down okay with the with the acoustic guitar and overalls and they're like yeah okay this guy knows what i'm talking about so you think like the folk and country movement of the 60s is actually an outer space propaganda movement is well that... i mean you can read about it on my blog but uh yeah yeah i've got some conspiracy theories about hippies <laughs> yeah for sure uh your your blog truthbombs.com that, that was taken it's net but you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> truth love not truth bombs.com so you're pro the alien propaganda then, the folk country propaganda 
mechanisms. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that uh, they were trying to infiltrate our society through this guise of hippies Mm. and the love revolution to to teach us a lesson. Mm -mm -mm. All right. Well, I look forward to subscribing to your newsletter and quickly unsubscribing. But, uh, Thank you. That still bumps my numbers up. So <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Hey, you still get that that <laughs> notification. Yeah. So you must have been stewing on this for a little while. You must have been driving through the great wide open of Wyoming and, and thought about aliens coming down yourself. Well, yes and no. Yes, I have been driving through the great state of Wyoming in the wide open spaces that are there. But no, I was not stewing on this. I came up on this conversation by Googling before I came here, conversation topics. (laughs) Really? Really. Wow. So, in your face, Fisher. (laughs) Well, uh, I gotta gotta throw it back at you then. What's what's your opening line to these aliens then? Mm. I'm putting on the carpenters. Yo, you're going with Carpenters, well, okay. I mean, that's what it was for. You're going to play it safe. You're yeah. like, I got I to gotta go with uh, what pleases the most people here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like the idea of uh, offering food. In the case of my car, it would probably be Cheez-Its. Okay. Or salted black licorice. Oh, so. barf. <laughs> yeah. And that's how oh, seaweed snacks. I've got some seaweed snacks. <laughs> War one started. Yeah, you don't want me to be that guy. <laughs> that, that, that's what started Uranus blasting all over Earth. <laughs> uh, it was a messy war. <laughs> They got one taste of the salted black licorice, and they instantly thought we were trying to poison them. <laughs> I don't All know. right, so they, they get their their crusty old Cheez Its and their poisonous candy, candy, <laughs> candy, quote unquote, <laughs> and uh, they take off and never come back. It's a sad story. <laughs> I really ruin it for humans. Yeah, that's why the aliens in Arrival are always spitting black ink. Yeah. Because it's just the black licorice that they're trying to expel <laughs> like, from their must, system. This must be how they communicate. <laughs> yeah. In like, these themselves horrible stinky black <laughs> pustules of bitter, salty putridness. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, that gross, would, but we'll try. That would be funny if like the whole premise of Arrival was just based on like a huge miscommunication <laughs> from the get-go. <laughs> Anyway, I don't want to be tasked with that is basically where I'm going with this. Oh. I would rather just be taken up, probed, and put back down. I don't want to be the diplomat. You're looking forward to being probed. Well, I wasn't going to say it. But. <laughs> you get out of your car. You're like, okay, here we go. <laughs> I pull down my pants and talk to them uh, 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 Ace, Ace Ventura, Ventura style. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. <laughs> I would offer you candy, but it's nothing but disgusting salt and black licorice. They leave without probing. You're like, come back. Please take me with you. There's so much more you can learn. It's just it's just my butthole to this guy. Come back. Don't leave me.
That's a very arresting image right there. <laughs> you, no pants on, Ace Venturi. <laughs> Screaming my butthole to the sky. But you know what? Today's movie has some arresting imagery, Matt. Sure does, Ryan. What movie would that be? Uh, a little movie called Private Parts. Not the Howard Stern movie. When I mentioned it from Scarecrow, I was like, I need Private Parts. Not the Howard Stern movie. I absolutely said that. And the guy on the phone goes, oh, the Paul Bartel movie. <laughs> Thank you, Scarecrow. Yeah. I kind of feel like it has us written all over it. Oh, really? Yeah, a little bit. Because it's a strange cult film with bizarre sexual and gender politics at play. Yep. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah, I first came across this movie a long time ago. I was still working at the record store at the time, probably in the last day, so probably 2013, 14, somewhere around there. Okay. And uh, one of the regulars there was really into to, like cult films. Like He really knew his way around that genre, and he recommended this movie to me. Uh, and it sort of introduced me to the world of Paul Bartel in general. For those who, who aren't familiar with his movies, he's probably best known for the movie Eating Raoul. He also did the Roger Corman film Death Race 2000 right. with uh, uh, one of the Carradines. But this was his first movie. And uh, of the movies I've seen of his, I think it's the best. Roger Corman's brother Gene Corman produced it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know it was his brother. I was like, is Roger just going by a different name in this? <laughs> Wouldn't you change your last name if you were trying to be <laughs> sneaky about it? My name is G. Corman. No, that's too obvious. Uh, uh, we'll go with Gene C. <laughs> so I've actually seen this movie before. Yeah, I remember when we first started the podcast, I brought up this movie like as something that was on my list. And you were like, ah, that sounds familiar. What is that? And like, I pulled it up on my laptop and like from the movie poster, you're like, I've seen that movie. <laughs> Yeah, so long-time listeners will remember on episode five, American Anthem, I talked about going, uh, hanging out with some friends in college who had sort of a cinematic tragedies movie night, and this was one of those movies, not one I brought, somebody else brought, and uh, you know, this movie leaves an impression. I'll just, oh, yeah. I'll just say that, like... How many movies can you name just off the top of your head that have uh, an inflatable sex doll scene with um, a photograph of somebody put on the head of the doll while it's filled with water and somebody's making out with the doll and injecting with blood? Yeah, probably just this one. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd forgot that it was blood that he injects. Like, for some reason in my head, like, he injected, like, ink or some other fluid. So, like, when he pulled out that, like, nasty syringe and then put it in his own arm. Yeah, with no and, alcohol swab. And then, like, shoved it into the the sex doll. I was like, oh, that's really nasty. Yeah. Like, this, he, is, this has gotten real kinky real quick here. When he pulls that syringe out, it's just going to leak all over. Well, that's what I thought. And, like, it shows him pulling it out. And you don't, like, see or hear water leaking out. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, when... sex dolls are expensive. I feel like that thing wouldn't be cheap to replace, but it only can be used one time. Yeah, he threw it away afterwards. Yeah. Hmm. Man, one night stand with a sex doll. <laughs> That's kind of sad. Yeah. Like extra sad. <laughs> he's, yeah, just a, he's a real confirmed bachelor. <laughs> he's like, I, there's, there's no hair dryer here. You'll notice there's no extra toothbrush. You know where I keep those things? Your place. Beat it. <laughs> <laughs> dumps the doll in the garbage. 
Oh, I was thinking that she dumped him where it's sort of like, you know, the person is like, I have a, I have a girlfriend. She lives in Canada. But like later you're talking to him. It's like, oh, she dumped me. <laughs> like you can't even turn it around to be like, oh, I dumped her. I dumped her. I mean, she's the one who gets dumped. Ah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a whole scene. I can't imagine what audience goers in 1972 thought when they'd see that because it's, very bizarrely sexual by today's standards. Yeah, and it's the face. So, okay, he takes the face of this girl from a like uh, photo booth strip that she has. And in the picture, she just looks kind of normal, like a little weird faced. Like we all look in a photo booth Yeah, not picture. quite smiling, but not kind of neutral face, I guess. Yeah. And then the way it's filmed the <laughs> after the scene, like the the face on the doll looks very upset and like <laughs> frowny face yeah like oh what just happened to me <laughs> yeah because it's not like he even has sex with the doll like he makes yeah. out with it for a little bit and then he pulls out the syringe and like he injects the blood into the doll and like that's like sex to him yeah yeah I'm glad we're getting this scene out of the way by the <laughs> way <laughs> so you mentioned that, that this was part of a, a cinematic travesties night uh-huh. so the the person who brought this did not like the movie is that to my understanding well they brought it because so they were friends with somebody who worked at a video store down in tacoma called stadium video not sure if it's still around but it's right across the street from stadium high school which is featured in 10 things i hate about you if anybody cares oh yeah, but yeah. um used to be right down there they were friends with somebody who worked there and they recommended this movie for that and so none of us had seen it oh, we were okay. all watching it for the first time and uh, there was a lot. I mean, like, 10 minutes in, we have a beheading. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, wow. It kind of has that, like, uh, giallo feel to it, where it's like, you don't know who the murderer is. Like, most American slashers, it's like, there's a killer. Yeah. And in this one, it's like, oh, because the first person that, like, the dude runs into is the reverend. Right. And he's like, why don't you come to room 319? in about three minutes. It's straight up those stairs to the third floor and then almost down to the end of the hall. You can't miss it. And then he gets beheaded, so like it infers that it's the reverend dude or the the priest. And then like when uh, the friend, the uh, lady friend comes by, then the aunt is like- Why yes, of course she's here. As a matter of fact, she's working for a photographer who has his dark room downstairs in the cellar. Oh, well it could be the photographer or it could be the aunt. Right. Um, so there's there's a little like oh it could be a variety of people in all this. I want to say you mentioned that Reverend. Have you, do you recognize that actor? No. <laughs> it's kind of fucked up, but I remember him. He used to host a live action TV show on the Disney Channel for children called uh, Pooh Corner, and uh, he would read stories about Winnie the Pooh, and then there'd be people in like full uh you know disneyland style poo character costumes acting them out sounds sexual <laughs> like it sounds like a big furry convention yeah it's just weird to see him be this nice avuncular like i'm gonna tell you a story about poo he's also sort of like a cartoon character in this oh movie, my god he's, he's like <laughs> he's acting for the back row <laughs> but just like the noises that he makes like how he laughs and just like the the movement that his fingers make i was like he looks like he could be part of like poo's corner <laughs> I mean, I kind of like how much he's hamming it up because he's a reverend who's like gay. 
so um, you know, prescient. Good job. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there's a part where they're at, near the end where the, there's like a cop who's like, "Can I, can I help you?" or uh, blah blah blah. I can't remember exactly the wording, but he's like, "Ooh," looking at him and like moving his fingers, tenting them. Like, I wouldn't mind that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, because our main character like stumbles into his room while like kind of snooping around. And at first I was like, oh, this movie's kind of, like, coded gay. Like, a little bit, like, the priest reads gay, definitely. And then, like, she's poking around in, like, that uh, cutout of, like, a bodybuilder falls. Yeah. And at first I was like, oh, yeah, see, like, a straight director would have it be something else. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, oh, it's not coded gay. It is gay. Like, (laughs) she finds that nudie deck in in there. I'm like, okay. They're not coding it gay. I used to have one of those, by the way. I did, too. Yeah. It's hard to play with those cards. <laughs> Everyone wants to show what they have. <laughs> well, it's just distracting. Oh, yeah. You're just, mm-hmm. you're not really paying attention. Yeah. That's also where we discover he has like a, a call guy for hire ad. And then that guy comes in later. Yeah. She sees like an, a gigolo ad, yeah. uh, male escort thing. And yeah, then he shows up as a refrigerator repairman. Right. How'd you know my name? I don't know. I, I guess Dr. Moon must have mentioned you. He talks about you a lot. You must do an awfully good job fixing his refrigerator. Oh, yeah? And then he beats him up for it? Like, yeah. That's... what You're advertising. That jiggle was kind of hot, though. I did that. I mean, Bad haircut. Yeah, but what are you going to do? It's 80, 72. So. so, but, uh... Yeah, I was like, okay. I can see why, why he's a repeat customer. Yeah, yeah. Not cool on the beating up, though. <laughs> well, right, but... Well, unless he wanted it. I don't know. That's yeah, that specific. might be part of it. Yeah. Like, because there is the implication that there's a little BDSM because he's got, like, the leather harness yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, m- maybe the uh, refrigerator repairman guy thought that the priest told this girl to say that to get him angry so that he would. Oh, maybe, yeah. It's a very elaborate sex story. Also, it being coded gay, during the opening credits, it's, like, the scene of, like, the two people having sex. <laughs> and, like, when it says, like, director Paul Bartel, it's, like, right over the dude's butt. Yep. It's like, that's where they freeze the frame. That's how the movie starts. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, his name superimposed over, uh, over it, a very nice butt, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you see the taint and everything. It's just, it's from a behind <laughs> all the way up. Yeah. It, you can it, see it, all the way to Uranus. <laughs> it's got that angle that uh, straight men hate of just, uh, <laughs> like, balls slapping. <laughs> <laughs> with the guy on top. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Holly Hunter and the piano would like to play that area, like uh, a, a nice sonata, perhaps, on that area. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Paul Bartel, he's sort of like in between John Waters and Roger Corman on like the indie movie spectrum. Sure. Not this movie necessarily specifically, but he does have movies like Lust in the Dust that has like Oh, a, yeah. Divine. And Tab Hunter. Right, yeah. So it's like if John Waters made a Western, it would be somewhere in the ballpark of Lust in the Dust. Yeah. But then he also actually like worked for Roger Corman and made like exploitation movies. And so this one, he kind of is like in between those two worlds of like indie exploitation filmmaking. So I want to say I got a lot of uh, Twixt vibes from this. Did you? A little bit where I was like, I feel like this is kind of good, but also not. <laughs> And then I also was getting a lot of extra vibes. Really? <laughs> Where it was like, oh, this like this suffers from a, lo- a bad budget, not a great script. And 
Cheryl is the new Tony. <laughs> Tony! They say her name, I swear to God, 50 times. It's Cheryl. Cheryl. I'm Cheryl Stratton from Cleveland, Ohio. This is my niece, Cheryl. Cheryl Stratton. Oh, no, spell it out, please. C-H-E-R-Y-L. Cheryl. Cheryl. Cheryl, let me in. Cheryl. Cheryl Stratton. Who are you? Judy Adams. Cheryl may have mentioned me. I'm Cheryl's best friend. Is Cheryl staying here? Cheryl! Cheryl? 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 What's your name? Cheryl. Cheryl, hold this lamb. Cheryl. Cheryl? Cheryl. 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 Oh, my gosh. Cheryl? Oh, there is a young lady named Cheryl staying here. I sure wish I knew where the hell this Cheryl was. She sure has some strange playmates. It was very distracting. Well, that's unfortunate, but, uh, yeah, one of the signs of bad screenplay writing is how often you say a character's name. Cheryl got it a lot. <laughs> At one time, she lifts a chair. There was the guy who, when they go into that drunk's room, he's like, You want to move that chair out of the way, girlie? My name's Cheryl. And I was like, oh my God, Cheryl's lifting a chair. <laughs> yeah, see, I got vibes of, and you haven't seen this, but a certain season of American Horror Story that I'm particularly fond of. That takes place in a hotel? Yeah, it's called The Hotel. Well, fun fact, the hotel that that's based on is just down the street from this hotel. Oh, is it really? Yeah. You looked it up? Yes. That hotel, I don't remember the name of it, but it's a very famous one. It's like the one where the person from the Black Dahlia stayed just before she died. Oh. So Richard Ramirez, who was a serial killer stayed before he did his killing spree and most recently eliza Wan, who um disappeared one day under mysterious circumstances was found she was staying there and she was found in the water tank above the uh hotel hmm yeah let me look it up real fast because it's it's worth knowing here sorry it's eliza lamb that was close cecil hotel Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's literally just down the street from this hotel, the King Alexander or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. King Edwards or something. Yeah. So, yeah. No, oh, okay. Yeah. That that area is not good for hotels. I guess that's why the aunt is always saying, like, uh, we're the last respectable hotel around yeah. here. It takes place in Skid Row, and you know that because when she arrives, there's that uh, homeless person who turns over and is like, Down on Skid Row. <laughs> but, yeah, so... Uh, Cheryl. Cheryl shows up. She steals money from her friend and absconds and goes to this hotel with, that her aunt runs and tries to stay with her for a little bit until mm-hmm. things cool off. Uh, and people come looking for her, and those people all end up dead. Don't you hate it when that happens? And the aunt is a little odd, we'll say. Her favorite hobby is going to funerals to take pictures to see if she can capture the moment when the spirit leaves the body. Yeah, which. I've heard of weirder things to do. Yeah. Like, I feel like Marianne Williamson does that. She's scanning the paper for funerals. <laughs> kind of. Do you feel like the spirit would leave before the funeral, though? Well, they do kind of address it at some point, that it's like the act of the funeral is what lets the spirit leave. Oh, well, I missed like, that. The, yeah, they, it's, a, it's like one sentence or something that the aunt says that makes it sound like mm. it, it's a it's an act that lets the spirit leave because like when the photographer dies or something like that like she says something like oh we can have the spirit leave here so i don't remember what it was but like it was addressed as to like when the spirit leaves the okay. body well that's problematic put a pin in it because we have to talk about that later oh my god i always like the idea of a hotel as a setting for for something like this for like a mystery of sure. some sort it's just it's really easy to 
cast a disparate cadre of characters. Mm-hmm. Like you can have whoever the hell you want in a hotel and you don't really need a backstory. And so like in this case, we got the priest who lives there and the photographer and that crazy old woman who's always looking for Alice. Right. Um, and then that drunk. And then the drunk. Right. Who I think is played by the director. Oh, is it? I think so. Okay. Paul Bartel is usually like makes an appearance in his movies. He's also like a bit character actor. Like he shows up in this and that. Like uh, if you watch Gremlins 2 at all recently, there's a bit where it's like the Gremlins get into the projection room and like it gets a oh, little yeah. meta. Mm-hmm. And it shows like people in a movie theater watching Gremlins 2. Right. Uh, Paul Bartel's the usher who like talks to the people in the audience. I love it. He made me laugh during this movie because he plays a drunk and he like throws something at the trash it's like a bottle cap or a bottle or something and it misses and he goes like bullseye like oh that's pretty funny uh yeah you know paul bartell big old fat gay guy so gotta love him a little bit just out and proud and no holds barred tell (laughs) some fun gay stuff in this I mean, maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but it turns out our photographer friend is not what they seem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, they're, uh, hmm, really treading on troublesome ground here. Uh-huh. But it, I think that they are male presenting, but biologically female. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll say it that way. And when they find that out, some of the cops are like, "Look at the jugs on this guy." Boy, oh boy! With knockers like that, I could go for this guy myself. That's sort of progressive <laughs> is it <laughs> i don't know it's like when caitlin jenner was on the cover of i think vanity fair and uh-huh. like all the news outlets like all the male anchors like ah she's looking so good that i'm getting a little turned on here and it's like okay so like we disregard caitlin jenner's business acumen olympic yeah. accomplishments and, and now it all comes down to whether or not they are fuckable <laughs> yeah so as soon as they have boobs i, I think it, yeah it, it just it it i it just it goes from one type of problematic to a different type i feel yeah maybe you're right like it just goes from tr- instead of being transphobic it's sexist yeah yeah now you put it that way <laughs> yeah uh it's odd i watched this movie the same week that i watched beyond the valley of the dolls oh okay have you ever seen that one i haven't yet not good not good 2 years earlier has the same twist <laughs> The, the, what is the twist in this movie, by the way? Well, I think the twist is that... Well, I guess the photographer's not necessarily the killer, I guess what we should say. But in this, the twist is that the photographer is the child of the aunt. So I guess the cousin of Cheryl. Cheryl. Right. Um, oh, she was going to have sex with her cousin. It's legal in, in 41 states. Mm, okay. Um, I'm assuming... That's a solid legal defense right there. <laughs> I assumed it was legal. <laughs> it was legal. Uh, that being said, I have to go. I'm on trial in 41 states. <laughs> Got a big family. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's a little odd because they, they say the jugs are really big, but they're not. No. And I just, at first when like it's revealed... I just kind of thought he had big nipples. <laughs> and I was like, those are real, like, milk spouts he's got there. <laughs> and then, like, the cops say, like, oh, he's got these huge jugs. I'm like, oh, 
I did see that right. It just <laughs> didn't make sense when they did the first reveal. That's one way you can tell that this is an American movie and not a Canadian movie because they didn't say, oh, check out the bags, the bags on that. that. <laughs> <laughs> check out the milk sacks on that loony over there. Oh, she's got some real big milk bags, eh? That's a Canadian thing yeah. to say, right? I'm sure that's a Canadian euphemism. I'd love to see you go to a Canadian strip club. <laughs> oh, flash those milk bags over here. Try and put a a, a, a twofer. Oops, slip right through. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, okay. So I mean that's one of the twists that come. Like the other twist is that and it's not super much a twist. It's just a, it's a twist after this twist because we kind of just think the photographer is a killer. Right. They've been creepy the whole movie, so it's like probably Well, yeah, think- he's the one that has sex with the sex doll. Right. Uh and also just talks creepily like, "Hello." Welcome to the hotel. How do you like it so far? Yeah, he's got creepy eyes, and his his hotel room, like his flat at the hotel, is bizarre. It's also there's the implication that uh, some you know because someone got murdered in the dark room, and he's a photographer, right? That it could be him. He has all the pictures of Alice, who died before, and everyone's asking. By the way, there's a line in this movie: Alice doesn't live here anymore. Alice doesn't live here anymore and that predates the movie by two years it does yeah i looked it up oh i thought that was, I so thought it was weird. a reference to the scorsese movie. no because this movie's 72 that movie's 74 the only scorsese movie to star a woman which she won an academy award for that i mean martin scorsese did make a roger corman movie so maybe he was familiar with this and he's like oh i like the sound of that line yeah i thought i just was really taken aback when she said it i'm gonna get me that uh alien chris christopherson and uh pair her up with uh, ellen bernston <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. you know we all know that scientology is like behind the academy awards they have they're pulling the strings so aliens chris christopherson links all coming to- together oh my god that's how ellen bernston got her oscar 30, 40 years <laughs> later, 30 years later. No, that's how she won it for Alice doesn't live here anymore. Oh, she didn't win it for Requiem for a Dream. Right. That's right. Because she probably spoke out against the alien lobby. Oh my God. And so the alien lobby decided to give it to Julia Roberts. Yeah. For Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing here. Wow. We're really uncovering some truths here. I knew those big teeth couldn't be human. Mm-mm. No living human has that much charisma. <laughs> so, I mean, I maybe it's too early, but I have a lot of questions about the ending of this movie. Oh, I have zero answers for you, but but fire away. Okay. So, we've already discussed the twist of the trans person. It feels like they weren't uh, entirely in on the transition. Who wasn't? The son daughter oh the photographer photographer yeah uh it feels like it was uh forced on them i don't know where i'm getting that it's just a feeling i have yeah no no um so then sleep away camp sort of situation yeah so because there's like you ruined my life i think is a line and things like that then when uh aunt martha is like you could be my new child and you'll be my son 
It's like what what does this person have against daughters? I guess it's, it must be daughters. At first, I was like, they just love like well, making people transition. They're, they're they're sort of resentful of women growing up to be whores, right? Painted and and tawdry. And okay, that makes sense. I was a little confused about that because she has like an open disdain for whenever Cheryl puts on makeup. Now you get some rest, and I'll call you for dinner in a little while. Thanks, Aunt Martha. Go wash that paint off of your face before you come to the table. Because when Cheryl shows up at the hotel, the uh, aunt is immediately like, we have no rooms here. and <laughs> It's her f- speech. She gives it to everybody. <laughs> yeah, she gives it to everybody. I'm sorry, I have no vacancies. There's a place down the block you might try. This is one of the last respectable hotels left in the city. And we have to be extremely selective about our clientele. And, you know, she looks young, but she doesn't. I was like, at first, I was like, does she think that she's a prostitute? Like, she doesn't look that slutty. Like, no more than any other young girl who's like dressing for attention. Yeah. But then she goes on a date later in the movie, and I'm like, okay, she looks like twelve. <laughs> she she looks like a twelve year old hooker. Yeah. Like Jodie Foster and Taxi Driver had more class than what she was doing. <laughs> I feel like there was a problem with her age because, yeah, they, they like definitely are always calling her kid and like you're so young and da 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 da. But when she's not wearing the makeup and just being regular, it's like, well, you're 25. Well, but, people aged more back then. You <laughs> but know. then there'd be times when, yeah, like that, like the rock scene when she goes to the concert where I'm like, you look like you belong in junior high school. Yeah, it's just like she put on way too much, like that, uh, so much rouge and the really cerulean blue eyeshadow and. Also, like, she just looked like a, it was like a ratty old green tank top with like a mini pink skirt. Shorts, yeah, or or pink, mini skirt, something yeah. like that. Those yeah. high boots, those fuck me boots. Oh, yeah. yeah. Total stripper boots. She, and she's a real bitch on that date, too. <laughs> she kind of is. Listen, Jeff, I thought you were taking me to a rock concert. Not to listen to you jabber about Alice Rogers. This date's getting to be a real drag. Why don't we call the whole thing off? He's just trying to show you a good time. Well, you know, she she doesn't have a boner for him. She has a white on for the photographer, not right. for the for the milk, photo booth guy. Milk, milk toast uh, key maker. Key maker. Yeah, that's what he, is. he was a cute little kid. I was really confused at first because we're introduced to this key making kid and it's like Cheryl doesn't have the money, the 50 cents or whatever to buy that that key. And he's like, "Oh, well, you know, you can pay me back later" cuz he's like clearly smitten with her. Then when like he goes missing, and what I found out later was his father comes looking for him. I was like, "Wow, his boss is really <laughs> like concerned about the whereabouts of his employee." <laughs> He's swamped in, in making keys. He <laughs> yeah. can't do it alone. <laughs> but he still takes the time to like escort the police to his potential whereabouts. And I was like, "Wow, that was a really dedicated boss." He's invested because like, like we see the kid and this guy. At the key shop, but th- I didn't pick up that it was a father-son thing. I didn't either. I was, like, thinking after that scene, I was like, did it say it was, like, so-and-so and son, like, key makers yeah, or something? I, I, think I don't it think might... we see a sign or... I, I don't know. Maybe I was making that up just to be like, oh, of course, because it said that, but... But, yeah, like, a lot of time went by. Like, they were searching around the hotel for, like, 10, 15 minutes before, like, one of them said, before he calls him, like, my boy or my son or something. Yeah, also, bad police work. Like, oh, the worst. They took they saw several dead bodies on that trip. And I'm like, dude, also, this like, is a crime scene. Yeah, it's like when they found the son, like, 
knocked out cold, they're like, should we call an ambulance? <laughs> Real lax police work. I mean, they were just like, you had to, my like, shift's twist almost their over. arm into it. But yeah, he was a cute kid. I'd go on a date with him if I was whatever age Cheryl was. Yeah. Just kept him waiting. I felt bad for him. Yeah, he got he got the run around a little bit. But I guess he lived, so. Yeah, he did. Didn't get yeah. decapitated. Yeah, nothing real bad happened to him. Okay, I have another question about the ending. Yeah. So we've talked about the twists and the like transition stuff. But then my question is, what the hell happened? <laughs> like, it shows the... Aunt Martha pull a machete out of her robe uh-huh. and she's like, you'll go like the others. It'll be painless. And it looks like she's going to kill her. And we, we, we see um, Cheryl scream. Yeah. But then it's like it cuts to uh, Winnie the Pooh narrator walking down the stairs very theatrically yelling to nobody. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, oh, you assume that Cheryl got killed. But then when they finally get up back up to the photographer's room, it turns out that Aunt Martha is dead, yeah. but she's wearing Cheryl's clothes and a wig. Oh, yeah, because they make some remark about, like, one of the cops says something about... It's like, nice outfit. Too many sequins, too many sequins. for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then fast forward, Cheryl, at the very end, Cheryl comes down the stairs saying the line that her aunt said. This is one of the last respectable hotels in the city, you know. I would have to be extremely... Selective about our clientele. So it's like, okay, I guess I'm I'm supposed to infer that the ant's spirit went into Cheryl. Cheryl? Oh, maybe that actually would make sense, because like, if the spirit left the body, like if this was was the ant's funeral, and the spirit like left the body and like went into Cheryl, that would make sense. Okay, who? So. I need some order of operations here. (laughs) (laughs) Who died? How? When did the clothing get changed? And when did the spirit get moved? I need like a timeline. Well, I mean, it all happened in that, in like at the same time. Like how? What's the order? What's the order of operations? How Cheryl got the machete away from the aunt? I couldn't tell you. Okay, we don't see that. That's so you think Cheryl killed Aunt Machete style? Oh, 100 P. Okay. Um, and then took her clothes off and put them on the ant? That is or a bit odd, yeah. the spirit took over Cheryl, and that's when all the clothes change happened. You think that, that, that uh, uh, there was a body transformation when the spirit changed? No. Like Cheryl just like looks when, like Cheryl. Well, right, but like when the ant maybe struck Cheryl, it was like the spirit like like moved and the body moved like there was a whole like uh, a switcheroo going like on a freaky friday cheryl situation. got aunt martha's body but aunt martha got Ch- cheryl's body well this is what i'm asking i don't i really don't understand what what i'm supposed to believe i mean like you could make an argument that like aunt martha kills cheryl mm-hmm and then, like, but the, it's some... a whole Freaky Friday thing going on, then. right? But then she, she, yeah, she does some sort of ritual on herself, like seppuku's on the machete, and her spirit goes into seppuku. Thank you, whatever. <laughs> uh, or yes, the uh, uh, Cheryl wrestles the machete away, 
kills the ant, but the spirit of the ant comes and takes her over. And then when the spirit of the ant is in Cheryl, that's when she's like, I must change the clothes. And then that's when the clothes switch bodies. That kind of makes sense. But boy, that's a lot of work this movie's asking me to do. <laughs> they, uh, I mean, uh, they just assumed that everyone had seen the original Freaky Friday. Okay. <laughs> and were familiar with uh, body, soul, transformation stuff. Okay. It sounds like I'm I'm offering a new idea to you, though, that like the spirit of the ant went into Cheryl. What did you think yeah, was happening? I just thought that Cheryl put on the clothes <laughs> of the ant. Like, she just switched it around, like, herself. But why? I don't know. It's like a Schitt's Creek scenario where uh, uh, the hotel owner like inherited the hotel from her aunt or something like that. Spoiler alert. They say that in like the first or second episode. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Spoiler alert for the pilot. <laughs> yeah, because like now that the aunt was out of the way, she wouldn't have to go back to her parents. She wouldn't have to move. She could just tend to the hotel under the guise of being her aunt. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Things were fast and loose in the 70s. Like, she could just collect those social security (laughs) checks and no one would be the wiser. Yes, I am 67. (laughs) You think someone comes to, like, look at you for those social security checks? I don't know. It was... I was... That ending really... I watched it last night and just sort of was like, yeah, whatever. And then today I took a long walk. And while I was walking, I was like, wait a minute. The ending of that movie makes no damn sense. It makes emotional sense. Like, you're like, oh, Cheryl's running the the hotel now. Uh Gotcha. Don't think about it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I guess maybe that's where I should have stopped. But, I mean, the movie's not really about that. Like, that's not what the the movie's. What is it about? (laughs) I don't know, repressed sexual urges manifesting themselves in murderous ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oppressive parental types. uh, Right, because you get the idea that, like, the aunt is sexually repressed because she doesn't approve of even, like, women wearing makeup at all. Yeah. So, you know, maybe if she'd gotten laid a little bit more, she wouldn't be so uptight about these things. Hot take. And then, you know, the photographer, of course, is being forced to identify with a gender that he he personally doesn't identify with or or forced to present as a gender that he doesn't identify with. And that is manifesting itself in weird sex doll fetish. Blood play. Blood play. Yeah. It's not a small syringe. No, that was a lot of blood. He that was like (laughs) that was like a pint Many cc's were pumped into that like, doll. Like, you'd have to, like, grab that little squeezy thing when you're giving blood <laughs> to get that much it's blood got, out. It's got a rubber band. Yeah. Tied. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the image of, like, the blood going into that doll was really cool. Like that's... The way they, like, push it in, it looks like a way a, a dick spurts semen. I yeah. Know, I don't know how to put it... that delicately. <laughs> the way a hard cock shoots a load. Is that better? <laughs> The way uh, ejaculant uh, uh, just uh, sprays yeah. fire hoses inside a lady. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The way cum gets dumped into someone. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's it. <laughs> That's the delicate way to put it. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, I see that a little bit. Because, I mean, the movie's called Private Parts, and it's like everyone kind of 
has their like little secret things going on a little bit. You know, the priest with his gigoloing, the photographer with his sex doll, and uh, that, that denture lady with her tanning goop. Yeah, denture lady. <laughs> the alcoholic, right? Who's not so successfully hiding his alcoholism, right? Um, and then even the aunt has like secret hidden parts to her as well. Yeah. Do we want to talk about Whitey at all? This is Whitey. Don't be afraid. He won't hurt you. Say hello to him. I was going to say, uh, I just want to go on the record saying that uh, mice, especially pet mice, are very clean, nice pets. Hmm. Rats themselves are very clean animals. And so, uh, yeah, that if, if you're okay with a hamster or a gerbil, there's literally no reason for you to be upset about a mouse as a pet i've lived with pet rats they're just fine they're better than bunnies i'll tell you that one oh really yeah bunnies are disgusting um i don't know i had uh, a good friend in high school who had pet rats and you could play with them just fine oh yeah um they never bit you they never did anything mean they were totally friendly do you think whitey was unfairly treated in this movie yeah mm-hmm. you're like shaft. justice for whitey justice for whitey that's a hashtag i won't be doing anytime (laughs) soon yeah that was a little sad i think the garbage disposal was a little harsh for him i definitely felt worse when whitey died than when either uh the friend or the friend's boyfriend died Mm -hmm. well they were jerks (laughs) whitey didn't do anything yeah and yeah, I, I should say in the in the theme of private parts, like Cheryl, of course, has this like voyeuristic tendency. Oh yeah, because she plays into it. Like she both kind of gets off on watching, which is established in like the the first scene. Oh right. Uh, but then uh, she knows full well that, that the photographer's spying on her while she's in the bath. Yeah, yeah. and so she kind of enjoys the voyeuristic aspect of things, and right. it's sort of a blossoming element of her sexuality. One that I guess she represses going forward, <laughs> as the end of the movie would suggest. Yeah. Private Parts 2. <laughs> we'll find out then. Yeah, I think Paul Bartel's been dead for like 20 years now. Oh, rats. Let's write it. I was going to say. He died in 2000. So yeah, 20 years. Dead. Hmm. Well, I want to say, I always like it when you bring... And don't take this the wrong way. I like it when you bring bad horror to the podcast because, like, when I watch bad horror, I'm usually just like, well, race for my brain. That was a waste of time. Oh, okay. But you're, you're more of a connoisseur of horror than I am. And so when you bring bad ones, it's like, oh, this is special bad. See, I don't even feel like this is a horror movie necessarily. Like, I felt oh. like this was, like, more of, like, a... a a mystery with horror elements. Okay. Like, you know, I wouldn't call like uh, Ashley Judd Kiss the Girls like a horror movie, but it has horror elements in it. Mm. This is more, more like thriller. in that vein. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's more of a mystery thriller to me. Hmm. I guess than... I just lumped it in because we have a decapitation like with blood spurting out of the decapitated corpse at 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's like, true. Well, that's a horror movie in my book. It's fun to go back. <laughs> Oh, I had a blast watching this one. Yeah. While I thought there were boring parts to it, I don't think it's boringly directed either, oddly to say. No, for such a low budget, I actually feel like the direction is really competent. Like, Yeah. Shots of people coming up the stairs, like just interesting camera angles, the whole like body thing filling up and like the plastic flops out. I'm like, that looks pretty cool. There's a lot of wordless scenes of just like Cheryl kind of roaming around the apartment and poking around. Yeah. 
like when she goes into the priest's place, like there's no real words in there. It's just her kind of discovering things. Mm. I love a shot of a bottom of a door that's backlit and you just see like foots, like she sure. like stop and then walk on. Like when she's in the bathroom, like someone starts pounding on the yeah. door. Yeah, 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 junk like that. I'm like, okay. This is a special movie. I don't. I'm not gonna say it's good, but I think it's real special. It is real special, like because it it's a certain type of like psychosexual that is rarely achieved in other movies. I feel it's very unique. Like when when you see private parts, you remember it. Yeah, I just like the the scene of like the blood going into that blow up doll is pretty unique. I'll never forget it, unless of course I get abducted by aliens and they erase my brain. Well, Matt, would you want to hear what's coming up next week? I would love to. Summertime. Miss going to the movies. I want to do something big budge. I've got a need, Matt. I've got a need to see a movie about speed, (laughs) but not the movie Speed. I want to see Speed Racer. Oh, the Wachowskis. Yeah. Or Wachowskis, whatever it is. Yeah. Speed Racer. Okay. I think it'd be a nice contrast to this lower budge. Fair. I okay. want something that, that people poured a lot of money and market research into. Okay. Um, I want to see some product placement. I want to see some CG effects. I Is want... there product placement in? I don't know. I'm hoping. Oh, okay. Fingers crossed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Odd thing to pray for, but... <laughs> I haven't seen this movie since I watched it for the first time many years ago, and I've, I remember thinking it was better than... I was reading about it, and so I want to see if that is the correct judgment. Yeah, I think it was kind of a flop, but uh, I think I only saw it for the first time in in 2014 or 15. Okay, yeah. And I remember enjoying it. Yeah, I'm curious to revisit it, so. Yeah, I'm here for it. Cool, 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 cool. Plug our junk, get the fuck out of here? Yes. Go to our Patreon, please and thank you. We love all our patrons. You guys are great. Patreon.com slash X-Rated Movies. You got all sorts of bonus content. We're doing at least two bonus episodes a month. Maybe even pump, start pumping out more stuff. I don't know. When we get to 10 patrons, we're going to do a very special episode. Don't know what it is yet. We'll figure it out. Go to our website, xratedmovies.com. Go to our Twitter, at xratedmovies. Go to our Facebook, at ratedxmovies. And don't forget, you can email us, x.rated.movies at gmail.com. And uh, failing all that, leave us love anywhere that you get your podcast for free. Love your love. Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It sends us to Uranus and back. Okay. Okay. Until next time. Speed racer. Keep reaching for that rainbow. Bye.